Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown, where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. Tall tales. True stories. And current goings on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in summer. Welcome to episode 88 of the Brown County Hour. This is Dave Seastrom. And Vera Grubbs, along with the rest of the crew. This month, our musical guest is Will Scott. We'll listen to our interview with him and three tunes he recorded live in our studio. Bob Curlin and Chuck Wills share a few memories of Susanna Zodi. Sabrina Hickey gives us some information about the PAC student program and Jim Eagleman offers his thoughts about rain. Rick Fedick thinks about time. We'll listen to the winning story of the May 9th Story Slam told by Michael Ash Ashburn. And Dave Seastrom joins the conversation about all the rain that we've been having. Segment one begins with our Will Scott interview. Bob Curlin and Chuck Wills share a few memories of Susanna Zodi, and we'll close with Will Scott performing Knobble. My pleasure to introduce Will Scott, who just treated us to a marvelous performance here in our studio. And Will, you sound like a real character to me. Uh, <laughs> you want to share a little bit of your story? My story? That's yes. a broad question. Well, you were mentioning that you live in a van, that you travel Correct. around, you play music. Sure. You got a girlfriend in New York, and you yes. got family here, and you got family out in California, and you kind of go in between and play whenever you can. Uh, you tell it pretty well. well. Yeah, generally, uh, generally, I'm working four to six nights a week somewhere, uh, okay. driving around. I just not long ago back uh, came back from Omaha, Nebraska, a nice house concert out there. Uh, probably heading back out that way somewhere later in the season toward Des Moines. And uh, I'll give you the long version in a short way. Uh, raised on the south side of Indianapolis, graduated high school at Oak Park okay. in Chicago. Uh, Bloomington for eight years, although it didn't take me a full eight to get my schooling there. Uh, down there playing music with a great little band called The Forecasters back in the day with J.J. Uh, Perry and Tom Harold, who just played with me down at Story again. Um, went from there to Los Angeles, various places, for about five years, and then out to uh, New York for about 15 years, living pretty much in whatever neighborhood was just about to become expensive uh-huh. and moving on to the next from there. And then had some family health issues come up about five years ago, and that brought me uh, to spending a bit more time out here in Indiana. 
And now I, like I said, split my time between Indiana, New York, and the road. Well, there you go. Um, you've got strong local connections. You're, you've actually been a DJ on WFHB. That's true. Yep. Shared the mic with uh, the legendary Piney Woods. Absolutely. It was Piney Woods turned me on to Tony Joe White. Bless his heart. He just left us this past year, I believe. Uh, still a great lover of Tony Joe White. And it is blues if he says so. That's right. And, you know, uh, that's an adage that you can use generally in your life. Uh, you bet. It is what I say it is, right? How do we get a hold of you? Do you have a website? Are you, like, cybered in? or? Uh, usually, if you go down to Hoosier National Forest and make smoke signals in the right order, uh, mm-hmm. I'll signal back and let you know when the next gig is. Okay. If that doesn't work, you can find me at willscottmusic.com with two L's and two T's. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, Will Scott Music, Facebook, Will Scott Music, YouTube, oddly, The Weatherman 32, but I'm working on changing that over to Will Scott Music so everything's uniform. Uh, but yeah, the information's out there and my gigs are listed there. There's music samples available. I'm on Spotify and all of the distant uh, digital distribution channels if you're really wanting to help me make a fraction of a penny. There you go. Yeah, it's the long, hard road, eh? You bet. Yeah. Well, where to from here? Where to from here? Well, I've got a few shows in town. I'm uh, just starting a series down at Story where I'll be playing most of the warm season, the first and third Sundays and the second and fourth Saturdays at Story Inn. I just love playing down there. I like the people and uh, a few other gigs around town I'll tell you more about later. But uh, the next travel adventure is out to Brooklyn, New York to play the Brooklyn Bridge Park with the legendary Charlie Burnham, a great jazz fiddle player on fiddle. We did that last year together, and we get to do it again this year. It's just wonderful. Big view of the East River right out there. You can see the statue, and nice people come from all over. Well, you certainly do sound like a busy man. I'll say that for you. It never stops. The road goes on forever. The party never ends. That sounds very romantic, like a very romantic version of it. It's more like uh, you get done with a gig, you sit down, and you send 50 booking emails reach out to five festivals, do a bunch of research, handle admin, spend uh, three or four hours in spreadsheets that you'd rather not be in, get back out, and then go play a gig. There you go. Yeah. Well, how did you develop your style, or where did it come from? Uh, Thanks for asking. You know, style cliche is defined by our limitations, but I I really credit my stepfather for it more than anything. Um, When I was coming up playing electric guitar, you know, what about, well, it was a classic blues story. You know, 13 years old, he bought me a $15 electric guitar on Maxwell Street in Chicago, and it was a harmony, and it was awful, but it played. But uh, he would give me a lot of recordings to listen to and show me a few things, some basics. But when he'd play something else uh, that I wanted to learn, I'd ask him how he did it, and he'd tell me he wouldn't show me. He'd just give me more things to listen to. He's like, you know, the whole point in this is you've got to develop your own voice and your own style. And that's what's going to make the difference instead of just, you know, copying somebody else and doing what they did. And I just had an argument with a mighty fellow named Andy Cohen about this recently where we got right down into talking about Emil Durkheim and the philosophical underpinnings of why he really tries to be very traditional with his blues playing. But I never wanted to be there. And I never wanted to just be a blues artist. So I listed as Hill Country Blues and Soul Americana. But uh, it was really through that and playing a lot of electric blues in my 20s and then starting to write. Uh, you know, I, I found that that kind of Chicago style of electric blues eventually got a little bit limiting as a writer, and it's a really hard thing to write a good blues song and, you know, get through that mix of styles and the awkward ebonics you have to put into it to make something happen. So I started branching out and listening to everything I could get my hands on, Cole Porter and Hoagie Carmichael, Willie Nelson, you know, across the board, and they all started to play, and a lot of world music as well. Um, 
And eventually that led me down toward playing more solo stuff. And uh, it was for getting back into the blues, it was really Junior Kimbrough that saved it, getting to run across him down in the North Hills of Mississippi. That, uh, you know, here was a guy who had a style of playing blues that didn't sound like anything else. It was absolutely his. And it was amazing. And that opened that door for me a little bit to get out of uh, just the three-chord Chicago blues shuffle kind of uh, writing. So that all played in. As I started playing more and more acoustic, my acoustic style started to develop. I've never done well with finger picks. So uh, instead of using my thumb to make percussive second beats on the guitar, I started doing a frailing style with my forefinger, and that led me to losing a lot of fingernails. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it all came together more or less from that mix. Yeah, Yeah, the bad thing about the blues is you're kind of supposed to live with them before you can sing them. Well, yeah, I mean, that is the argument, you bet, but I figure if I'm going to do it, is that, you know, he felt like, well, you'll never live that life that led to that music, but there are a lot of people playing and singing that music in some way or another. Call it rock and roll, if you like, but... If I was going to do it, I wanted to do it uh, with something uh, unique and something with my own voice in it and not just try to imitate and emulate. Some people have said I've been a little bit successful at it. I don't know. (laughs) Was there a history to your guitar? Looks like it's been with you for a while. Yeah, that's my road guitar. I've seen a lot of road. Yeah. Uh, it's a triple art 15 Martin. I actually keep a D15 in storage humidified that I would prefer for recording. I like how it sounds better, but this is a little bit easier to play and it's a little bit more rugged. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, got a big crack in it on the bottom from Folk Alliance in Toronto a few years back where somebody crashed a card into it. it the day after a nice lady had introduced herself and tried to sell me instrument insurance. On which I passed, of course, and uh, found it cracked the next day. But I, give, I got that on Craigslist. Uh, the neck had come up quite a bit. It was oh, about really? 300 bucks. You know, thinking it needed a neck reset, I, I got them down and took it to uh, Jalopy Theater and School of Music out in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Uh, Jeff out there was doing guitar work at the time. He looked at it and said, you know, that's a bolt-on neck. And he stuck a screwdriver in it and twisted mm-hmm. it a few mm-hmm. times. It was back to factory setup. But yeah, it's it's been through a bit. It's got some scars right now. Uh, Johnny Ping at Ping's Music, if you don't mind another plug, uh, out on the south side of Indianapolis, has been kind of helping me keep her together and yeah, okay. doing minor repairs for me. So, Will, where can we hear you? What, when when are you playing and where are you playing? Thank you for asking. Uh, well, I mentioned I'm doing first and third Sundays and second and fourth Saturdays, for the most part, down at Story Inn in Story, Indiana. Then um, probably be doing some more stuff at the Big Woods Brew Pub and uh, possibly out at Switchyard Brewing in Bloomington. I've got a big one coming up at Brown County Inn, the Corn Crib Lounge, on July 18th, which is my birthday. That's a Thursday night, so I'm going to have a birthday show out at BCI. Uh, I'll be out at the Farmer's Market at some point this season as well. And Then uh, after the Brooklyn Bridge Park show in June, I'll be back in New York for the Brooklyn Americana Music Festival in September. That's September 19th to 22nd, I believe, playing two or three shows out there. Excellent. Well, Will, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story, sharing your music, and sharing your energy, man. What a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate y'all doing this for me. Such a scene, and I'm dirty, when yes, I'm the stain. Although I may be righteous, my own mouth may bear me. Please drop me in the water Scrub me on the stone 
Should I be wearing purest white when they call my body home? Oh, my holy, yeah, stained with dew. Precious moon white, shame shifted. Oh, my bloodstone, so sifted. Well, my days, they're running swiftly To the far, to the away Like a ship speeds on the ocean Like an eagle to its grave If I fear the guilt that's on me If I fear the tears I cry must I wash myself with snow? Must I cleanse my hands with light? Oh, my holy, yeah, stain lifter. Precious moon white, shame shifter. This is Chuck Wills in the studio with Bob Curlin, known to many around town, although tonight you are here as chairman of the board of the Brown County Playhouse and also as a friend of Susanna Zodi, who we lost recently. She was the director of the Playhouse. So, Bob, welcome. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. It was, uh, I think, quite a shock to everybody in losing Susanna, and I thought it would be nice to have you in, and maybe we could reminisce a little because you sure. and I both had gotten yeah. to know her over the years. Yeah, it, it was a shock to to not only the theater itself but the community because there's a lot of a uh, lot of family roots in this community. Yeah, uh, a lot of a lot of people that that love Susanna. Of course, most people know that in the theater, whenever a tragedy happens. Uh, the theater goes dark, and I had the privilege Friday evening uh, before the opening uh, of the uh, event at the Playhouse. You'll be glad to know that the theater went dark on behalf of Susanna. What an honor, and really what a legacy she has left in the community. I, I know that if we both rewind a few years, we oh, yeah. were both on the Community Foundation board when the Playhouse was given back to the community. That is so true. I had and, forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. You, you were on the board. And. Yeah. I don't think at that time we could have guessed, we hoped, but I don't think we could have guessed what the Playhouse has become, and I think Susanna's work and expertise was really at the heart of what it is today. I I totally agree. I don't think the community knew how much background Susanna had in theater. Uh, I know I did not when I asked her to be on uh, on the committee and on the board of the Playhouse, and I found out later that she actually started right here in Brown County in high school with the Janet Cassidy. Yeah. She was in many, many high school plays and supposedly was very good at that. 
So I know that there is a uh, new assistant director at the Playhouse, Hannah. There is. When Susanna got sick, uh, the board kind of, they didn't panic, but they were very worried about uh, replacing her because she did so much at the Playhouse. So we did some interviews with about five or six people, and we have hired a a young go-getter. We need youth in the Playhouse. (laughs) She's a recent graduate at Indiana University with a lot of theater backgrounds, so we're excited to have her. Well, fantastic. Large shoes to fill, but she is very capable that of doing That is correct. So. And she's, done, she's been on board about a month, and she's really taken hold, and uh, she will not be a Susanna. Uh, I don't think anybody can be a Susanna, but she's, right. uh, she's doing very well. We're proud of her. Well, very good. I know that in my experience with Susanna through the Guitar Festival, that she was encouraging and creative and thoughtful and was really a partner with us in that production and really helped it become what it's turned into over the past eight well, years. There was two things that Susanna thought was, was important at that playhouse. And number one, the quality of the performance, yeah. which she worked hard on, and, and, and your group is a good example of that. And the second thing, more important, was the person that walked through that front door, she wanted to welcome every one of them. Yeah. It was yeah. her house. Uh, it was important that everyone is welcome there, and she just did an outstanding job on that. Yeah. Well, I I can say from my personal experience, she was deeply loved and will be certainly deeply missed by all. So there's a remembrance coming up? On the 7th, we are having a celebration of life. We have worked with the family. Actually, we went to the family and said if you wanted to do something at the Playhouse, it, it was available there. And they chose to do a celebration of life at the Playhouse on the 7th. That's a Sunday afternoon. It will start around 2 o'clock. It was important to the family that this be a celebration. We are having a couple of entertainers in that really embraced her. Uh, Dave Gore and Robbie has committed to to come in and do two songs that Susanna loved. Jen Christie I talked to, and she just can't wait to get in and do two songs. So it'll be a celebration. So that's Sunday, July 7th at the Playhouse? At the Playhouse at 2 o'clock. No tickets required. Uh, Come and help us celebrate. Well, she leaves quite a legacy for us all to celebrate. So, Bob, thank you so much for coming in. My pleasure. Thank you. This is a song that's actually uh, inspired by a bunch of characters I met when I was living in uh, around the area of Sierra Madre, California. But I decided to place it instead in a little town here in southern Indiana called Gnawbone. Just passed through the uh, Gnawbone cabin on my way into the booth here today. It's kind of about getting out of a small town. It's called Gnawbone. How was that the farm? You know, we used to be the Lord. Left this long ride on a night, on my hallway. Jesus, Mary, Paul, Long was a daughter singer ever so. Mom tried to keep old baby warm, smothered them in a row. Yeah, smothered them in, in hoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Blue Bob's got cable, so there ain't much that you ain't seen. Missed his younger neighbor, Lord, and she just turned 17. There go hero Joe with his arm around Christine. Walking like he knows some things she ain't never seen. Get along, boy, and get along, gone. Gnawbone. 
apples in the pumpkin patch Full of pumpkins off the vines And those way over there are yours And these over here are mine And if this whole town has its way You'll swivel on that there vine And this life is just some things You've got to leave behind You've got to Mama cries, can't save you from your sins. Kiss a cheek when it comes time, tell her till we meet again. And ride whatever it is you find up your own Lake Michigan. Jesus, he rambled and he won't mind. Jesus, he rambled and he won't mind. Jesus, he rambled and he won't mind. But the devil might find you in. The devil might find you. Find you in. Get along, boy, and get along gone. No, bone. Now we pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at wfhb.org. Segment two begins with a conversation we had with Sabrina Hickey about the PAC student program. Rick Fedick shares his essay about time, and Jim Eagleman offers a few thoughts about rain. We finish this segment with a Will Scott tune, Just Ferry Me Over. We're talking today with Sabrina Hickey. She's the regional manager for the PACS Program of Academic Exchange. So PACS is an organization, a nonprofit organization that brings international high school exchange students to American host families and lets them study in American schools in Brown County as well. And we also send American students abroad to do the same. Are there areas in the world that there you won't send students to, off limits? That kind oh, of you thing? mean American students abroad? Oh, yes, we follow U.S. Department of State safety regulations. Can you tell me about the diversity of the students coming to our area? We have seventy different countries. Actually, I think it's seventy-three this year. You name them, we have them. Somaliland, Yemen, Ecuador, Brazil, Asian countries, Moldova, like former Soviet countries, predominantly Muslim countries. In fact, I have had a student from Somaliland in Brown County before. Interesting. Do you find that students from a certain area of the world come through in waves? Well, I think for the most part, a lot of American families pick European students because that's what they know about. So Italy, France, Germany, Spain, those are the typical ones, Brazil. Sure. But I would love to have more diversity. That's why I do it. What area here in Indiana or the Midwest do you, are you director over? All the way below Bloomington to just up to Kokomo, a big central chunk. So if people want to host an exchange student, clearly there are, are guidelines and responsibilities. What would that be? To host an exchange student, the three basics are feed, so feed three meals, 
love a student. That's a big one. You have to love and support and provide a bed. And our organization can actually help if you don't have a spare bed, but you want to host. But really, just making sure they're in a safe environment, including them in your family activities, that's the requirements. You don't have to pay for tons of extra stuff. The students come with their own personal spending money. They have comprehensive medical insurance. So let's say a student breaks a leg. They're covered. So And we have support for that as well. So do you get people that want to host that don't have their own children? I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get people who host who have never had children. I get people who host who are retired or maybe empty nesters. Um, Sometimes my favorite families are the empty nesters because they actually have the opportunity to give full attention. Now, does that mean that they're any better than families that have teenage kids or young kids? No. It just means it's a different experience. Oh, absolutely. So if there are teenage kids in, in the host family already there, I know it changes the dynamic, but I have to assume that there's a positive to that relationship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I host myself, and I have three kids of my own, and usually my family hosts two students at a time. So we have siblings all over the world. We get Snapchat messages and Instagram messages. I get international birthday messages. It's it's nice to just one day you see a Facebook post, and it's you're tagged in it because your student from Pakistan wrote a poem about how he misses your family. And my kids call our, we hosted a Somali boy. They called him a legend because he was just darn right hilarious. It makes it a different dynamic. Those of us that have lived in other places than Brown County uh, know what a special place it is. How do you find your students respond to this area of the world when they're here? Sometimes they respond with, where am I? Like, <laughs> well, there's some of that, sure. <laughs> like, I'm in the middle of a forest. But what I always try to share with them is that, like, well, driving here from my house, the way the light just shone through the trees with the red buds, I'm like, guys, you are never going to be in another part of the world like this. And in the fall, it's a completely different world than it is now. Right. So So let's flip the coin here a little bit and talk about what are the opportunities for Brown County students moving in the other direction and, and traveling around the world? Well, we have summer programs, so the students could go for three weeks if their parents are not interested in letting them go for an entire year. We have semester programs, and we have full school year programs cover um, Brazil and Ecuador, the Netherlands, France, Germany, Spain, China, and Japan. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite where kids have <laughs> wonderful experiences versus fabulous, you know, experiences? <laughs> I'm a secret Frenchie, so I, I love yeah. France. But I also have a special place in my heart for Japan, just because the kids who come here are always fantastic. So the culture is great. It's just very welcoming. But in addition to that, we also have scholarship opportunities. We partner with the YES program, which is um, the predominantly mid- Middle Eastern countries, Muslim countries. That is fully paid by our tax dollars. It's a scholarship. So it's a merit-based scholarship. And if you get selected, you do choose your country, but there's less to choose from. So you would go to someplace like Thailand or the Philippines or maybe Egypt. That's an experience that you're not going to learn unless you're there. Yeah. I'm glad you went down that road because we have a populace here that uh, are moving into retirement or already there. And so they might not feel like they can bring a younger human being into their home, but they could be supportive of this, this program, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, How would yeah. they do that? They would go to PAX.org, so P-A-X dot O-R-G, or they would just contact me. You have such a 
big smile on your face as you talk about all of this. This must be rewarding for you. It makes me happy. <laughs> Clearly. It really does. <laughs> so we've been talking to Sabrina Hickey, Regional Manager for the PACS Program of Academic Exchange. How can they contact you again? Well, you can go to our website, pax.org, or you can call me at 317-474-4063. Thank you for coming in today, Sabrina. It's been a delight to talk to you, and uh, the stories are excellent. Thank you. Water that is condensed from the aqueous vapor in the atmosphere and falls to earth in droplets? You've just heard the definition of rain. Measured at 1 50th of an inch by scientists? You may have wondered what else raindrops in massive quantities can do besides water plants, wash out driveways, and raise humidity. Recent deluges have made life a bit more challenging here in Brown County. Highway workers remove fallen trees daily. Culverts are repaired and loose gravel is regraded. More rains have caused power outages and creeks and lakes are at flood levels. Residents remark it's the wettest spring in several years. Annual rainfall in Brown County is 40.6 inches, accumulating from all kinds of precipitation throughout the year, snowfall, mist, fog, drizzling rains, and storms. We have already passed that mark. And summer, beginning June 21, also called the summer solstice, hasn't arrived yet at the time of this taping. My morning walks through our woods after an all-night rain is a new and refreshing experience always. My senses are peaked. The air is clean and rich with aromas, reminiscent of greenhouses and garden soil. The sound of waving branches overhead causes water to fall like soft, pelting hail on leaves below. Still dripping from runoff and the drops falling on my shoulders, leaves use their pointed shapes to rid surface areas of excess water. Drip tips on the ends of most leaves, whether compound or simple, shed off rain with small amounts of air movement. Later, as they dry completely, leaf stems can act as pivot points, slightly allowing the broad leaf to turn as more air moves across. Some trees, like our native black gum or tupelo, and the domestic rhododendron have thin waxy coatings on their surfaces of leaves to prevent too much moisture falling through the leafy canopy, understory, and then eventually to the ground. Raindrops are absorbed by the thick mesh of crisscrossing root hairs of several trees. Last year's leaf litter retains moisture and helps keep soils from drying out. A wet gray squirrel resembling a punk rocker jumps from a branch overhead. Sending more droplets down on me, it emerged from his overnight shelter I saw, a pileated woodpecker hole on a broken limb. Other rodents like chipmunks, deer mice, and white-footed mice use underground one rays and dens to wait out the storm. My brush piles act as meeting places for other critters, songbirds, insects, and an occasional rabbit. A small gutter snake remains still but flicks the air with its tongue. It peers out and soon may use a nearby sunny spot if it gets sunny. Another day of rain? I checked a few weather apps on my phone and see that they don't always agree. An animal instinct is far better method to know about tomorrow. More advanced at sensing barometric changes than humans, birds anticipate a wet night ahead and feed longer than usual. A preen gland located at the base of their tail, also called a ural pygeal gland, helps to waterproof feathers. Watch most birds after a rain 
They poke their tails and smooth out and straighten wet feathers. But why is our bird bath an active place during rains? They fly in, dip their entire body in the water, splash about, then perch on the lip of the bath and shake off water. You may have seen this behavior in street puddles. It may either be a shower or a bath, and I suspect it feels good. They are already wet. Why not indulge? Water levels in streams, ponds, and lakes are replenished after rains, so these traditional places for wildlife to drink improve. We mostly think birds and animals rely exclusively on these waterways, but water collects in tree crevices and cavities, knot holes, and even dished out dry leaves on the ground, giving birds, particularly, a place to get water. And yes, these are breeding places for mosquitoes, so birds can get food and water by visiting here. Rock outcroppings, logs, and ditches are also places for water to collect. Some plants, because of where they live in dry, sunny places, have adapted their stems and leaves to collect rain. Cup plant, an aster with a daisy-like flower head, also called sylphium, a native to the Midwest, is perhaps more adapted to prairies than here in our woodlands. It collects rain at the stem-leaf junction, and you may have seen it growing in Brown County. And a more exotic plant, the pineapple, a bromelid, has a unique surface on its leaves to allow it to collect water. Nature will provide, this is a mantra expressed by several poets, writers, and scientists. Nothing is wasted, another saying we apply to the natural world. Resourceful and adaptable, overcoming difficulties and versatile, birds and animals respond to our changing weather patterns. No matter how likely, all of this water may be upsetting to us. Recent rains, no exception. Enjoy this lush, green, and vibrant Brown County landscape. Oh, yeah, and pack the umbrella. It's been another segment of Nature Ramblings. Jim Eagleman for the Brown County Hour, WFHB FM Radio. And once again, thanks for listening. I'm writing this on the evening that we watched Notre Dame burn. You couldn't miss it on TV. It was a great tragedy. As the fire was dying down, a commentator spoke of the bell towers. The bell towers. The bells ring periodically throughout the day and the night. The front doors of the house I grew up in were directly across the street from the St. Ambrose Catholic Church doors. We knew when it was 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. A different chime rang at 9 and 3. Remember the factory whistle? Whistle blows, time for break. Whistle blows, time for lunch. Whistle blows, it's homeward bound. People used to pace their days in rhythm with these sounds. Well, I'm getting hungry. Hope that whistle blows. And it's been a long day. Hope the bell rings soon. How is it that we or you judge and pace yourself through your days and years? Is it by the sun? By the bells? With a clock? or with a watch? Is it a sense, sort of like how we know north, south, east, and west? Is it in days or weeks, months or years, decades or centuries? I believe that it was said that building Notre Dame took 200 years. The designers and builders knew that they would not live long enough to see its completion. In fact, it took generations, almost the entire Gothic period. How do you set the time frame for a project? A certain number of hours and minutes, or as long as it takes to get the job done and get it done well. 
As when money becomes the major reason for doing things, people get in a hurry and become impatient. A quality product is not the major issue, or a quality service is not the major issue. The bottom line is profit. And we get tricked into thinking that we need more things. We are continuously wasteful in making and remaking products because they don't last. The government is inefficient and wasteful, and so is the medical industry. And so then we turn around and our money is gone. And we have to wait until the end of the week for more money. Whoops, there's another one of those time signatures, the weekly paycheck. As a culture, how do we mark and respect the notion of time? Birthdays, weddings, someone's death, the seasons, decades, centuries, the future or the past, and how far? Do we, as a culture, mark time by progress, by the developments in transportation and housing? How about when slavery got abolished, when women could vote? We learned about vaccines. We landed on the moon and returned. There are a lot of ways to mark time. We can also rush time. We can save time. We can clap in time. We can sing in time and dance in time. We can wake to an alarm, eat when the lunch bell rings, breathe in the seasons, watch people come and go. We can learn from the past and envision what's to come in the future. Do we take our time or does time take us? Take us away in how fast it flies by. Do we rush through our days so as to micromanage the millisecond? Or do we set the pace and mark the time according to our own rhythm, our biorhythm, the pace of our own heartbeat, our own time for sleep and nourishment, our own time here on earth, or our future generations' life on earth? Should we mark when man began? And when he might end, time never stops evolving and revolving. The sun gets hotter, the oceans get wetter, but time keeps on. Pay attention as the bells toll. Well, this is kind of a Buddhist secular spiritual of sorts. Maybe not all that secular. Uh, Really, the inspiration was coming out of a request for a song for Bruce Willis' film, in a recording studio in Los Angeles, California, owned by a former member of Menudo, Draco, where uh, Booker T of Booker T and the MGs was doing a lot of work those days. We didn't get Booker T on the album, we tried, but we got the great Deacon Jones, who was John Lee Hooker's uh, keyboard player and band leader for many, many years before he passed. Uh, blessed to get to play with him. It's called Just to Ferry Me Over. <laughs> is deep but yet it's not wide just a favor me over I ain't ready for the other side just a bear across Michael don't roll this board of mine just a favor me over well well oh on ahead and leave me behind well, just a bear across Mama, tell me what's his body, boy Just a favor me Suffer and cry and cast a show Just a bear of clothes To 
Hillary It says I have to go Just to favor me Oh, but well, well What might I be on? I'll never know Just to bear a cross Ow Mama's long brown hair Just to favor me over I won't have nothing like it there Just to bear a cross Can bury my body for none to find Just to favor me over I won't be there and I won't mind Just to bear a cross What's this body for? Just to favor me over. Well, well, I ain't worth nothing at morning. Just to bear a cross. Ow, 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 ow. Favor me. Just to bear a cross. We pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 in Ellettsville, and online at WFHB.org. Support for the Brown County Hour comes from listeners like you and the support of the Brown County Inn, a family-friendly getaway destination located in Nashville, Indiana, offering locally sourced food, drinks, and live entertainment with banquet space, indoor-outdoor pool, miniature golf, and more. More information and booking available at browncountyinn.com. They are the generous sponsors of our monthly Story Slam, taking place the second Thursday of every month in their Corn Crib Lounge. Storytellers join us to tell their true stories on a theme. Our May topic was the morale of the story. In our final segment, we'll listen to the winner of that evening's slam, Michael Ash Ashburn, with his story of fathers, football, and fungus. Dave Seastrom weighs in on having too much rain, and we'll close the show with Will Scott's version of Wish I Was in Heaven Sitting Down. All right, and in a triumphant return from last month, we have back with us a man who would like to instantly become an expert in how to parent adult children. Everybody welcome Ash. Hey everybody, I got a haircut since the last time I saw you. 
My dad taught me mushroom hunting, and my dad's here tonight. Dad, thanks for doing that and 10,000 other things. I love you. He's right there, that good-looking guy. I guess I was about 11 years old, and I was in the front seat of a pickup truck. My dad was driving, and his best friend, Ron Cox, was right over there. So picture an 11-year-old boy sitting between two grown men. Now that right there is a story all of its own, and I loved it. And uh, I'd never been mushroom hunting before, and because I was 11, I was chitting and chattering and asking all kinds of stupid questions like, what's poison ivy look like? You guys have your pocket knives in case I get snake bit, you can make an X and suck the poison out. <laughs> what in the world does a morel look like? And they'd say things like, leaves of three leave B. And they'd say things like, uh, morel hunting is a lot like life. When you find it, uh, you'll know it. <laughs> and then he said, uh, and if you get snake bit, don't you worry, we'll just cut your whole leg off. <laughs> they said that uh, the key to morel hunting and life is to get in the game. It's hide and seek. They hide and you seek, but get in the game. Not long after that, you guys might not believe this, but I used to really be skinny. <laughs> and I played eighth grade football. I found out later it was a no-cut policy. Kind of hurt my feelings. I was the littlest guy on the team and I don't know what it is about eighth grade football, but all the uniforms are the same size. And I looked ridiculous. I was number 23. And the two and the three wrapped completely around my body. The hip pads came up to my armpits. My shoulder pads were way out here. And I'm not exaggerating. I could hold my helmet like this, and I could look both ways. I never played in one game. And the reason is because the other flanker, his name was John Hunt, and he was number 81. And the eight and the one looked like a postage stamp on his chest. He was a big boy. He had shaved since he was in the second grade. And our strategy was we gave John Hunt the ball and he killed people. We were undefeated. It was the last game of the season. And I'm over on the bench doing what you do on the bench, on the bench stacking cans and, and counting ants and stuff like that. And uh, we were behind. John Hunt was running for a touchdown and he got tackled. And I thought he was in, but everyone in the grandstands was pointing and laughing. And I stood up on the bench and what had happened is his uniform was so tight that he busted his pants completely out. I mean, his big hairy backside was showing to the whole town of Anderson, Indiana. And I'm embarrassed to tell you, my very, very first thought was, I'm in. I'm going to get a play. So I put my helmet on. I went over and tried to make myself look obvious to the coach and pulled on a shirt and said, Coach, you want me to go in for John Hunt? And it is a miracle that I have a self-image today. Because he looked at me, he looked out there at John Hunt, and he looked back at me, and he said, No. I want John Hunt to play in your game pants. 
So a bunch of my buddies made a little fence around me, and I dropped trowel, put on John Hunt's busted-out pants, wrapped a towel around my waist, and headed back to the bench. But let me tell you, dear friends, John Hunt had the game of his life in my game pants. <laughs> he scored touchdown after touchdown. The cheerleaders carried him off the field. A few years later, a verse came to mind. It says, Do you not know, have you not heard, that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God is in you? And what that means, dear friends, is that the God of the universe who's crazy, head over heels, nuts, and loves with you. He wants to have the game of his life in your life uniform. And the morale of that story is get in the game. Know, know that uh, you don't have to worry too much about the poison ivy leaves. I wouldn't worry too much about snakes. Get in the game. God bless you. Love you, Dad. Usually, when people talk about the weather, it's because they've run out of other things to say. However, for all the right reasons, here in South Central Indiana, talking about the weather has become one of our central topics. The short version is, gee, hasn't the weather been crazy? Or, man, I sure am tired of all this rain we've been having. Rightfully so. We've exceeded our average annual rainfall in May, and now every time it rains, we're setting a new record. It has been raining a lot. This spring, we've had so much rain that many farmers haven't been able to get their crops out, and the few that did watched as their young corn and soybean plants drowned in the fields. Closer to home, here in hill country, we've been experiencing a series of what are optimistically called 100-year floods. These days, it seems like we can expect one of those formerly rare and unusual rain events to take place a couple of times every month. An unsettling commonality with these floods is every time a new one occurs, people are saying, I've lived here all my life and I've never seen anything like this before. Last February, we had a flood that was so big, several of our neighbors, including my wife Becky, were stranded in town and had to rent a room for the night. During that flood, Becky called me to see if she could get home the back way. When the rain falls, we know that Lake Lemon will overtop North Shore Drive, and the low spot on Anderson Road will be impassable. The route of last resort for us is State Highway 45 to Branister, Bear Creek to Slippery Elm Chute, and then North Shore to Possum Trot. When I drove out to check the conditions, Possum Trot was a river full of debris. And when I got to the bottom of Slippery Elm Chute, the bridge at Bear Creek was completely under the water, and the entire valley was a teeming torrent of impassable flood water. Due to the frequency of these floods, I suspect that in the not-too-distant future, weather forecasters will have to come up with new terminology to describe these events. Perhaps it will sound something like this. Tonight, we're expecting another, here we go again, rainstorm, or... It's time to get your rubber boots on because we're about to experience the next big-ass flood. Along with the almost weekly flood comes power outages. In the last seven days, we've had two. 
For those of us living on Possum Trot, the most recent one lasted for 24 hours. And there were thousands of people in the area that were without power for several hours. In fact, we've lost power so many times this year that I've lost count. When we get days and days of rain, the soil becomes saturated, and when the wind blows, many of the shallow-rooted trees come down. Inevitably, some of those trees land on power lines. The length of the outage is determined by the intensity of the storm, and consequently, this impacts how much work it takes to clear the trees and repair the lines. There's ample evidence to equate the frequency of these weather events to climate change. This reality makes the official response in Washington all the more curious. The ostrich approach works much better in dry climates because if you stick your head in the sand around here, you'll drown. It appears that the powers that be believe that not mentioning climate change and defunding the science that studies it will make the problem go away. I'm pretty sure most folks don't agree with that, especially when we're swimming for our lives. I've heard a lot of speculation that once the rain stops, we'll have a drought. If past weather patterns hold true, there might be some truth to that assessment. Purdue University thinks so. In their latest study of how climate change will impact agriculture in Indiana, they cite that very conclusion. They predict intense rain events in the spring, followed by long periods of very hot, dry weather during the summer. Trees may be our best defense. Forested land affects the weather in positive ways. The trees take up the water in their roots from deep in the ground and emit water through their leaves at night, which enters the atmosphere and contributes to rainfall. It's also known that air temperature in a forest is cooler than non-forested areas. Here in Brown County, we have plenty of forests, if we can hang on to them. As for me, I'm glad to be here, and even if it means an occasional power outage and flood, it's still a great place to live, so long as you know how to cope with it. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. Well, I've been digging back into a lot of uh, Mississippi Fred McDowell lately, a big inspiration for me. And, you know, he's one of those guys that could take a seven-chord blues song and play it with one chord and cut out all the rest of the lyrics and just sing one lyric. And uh, this is one I always liked that uh, he would do generally with just one lyric. i do it with two just to be a rebel. Now, uh, my background is in religious studies and anthropology out at IU Bloomington, so I've always had an interest in religion. I'm not particularly religious myself, but I always like these kind of uh, spiritual blues songs like Fred would do and, of course, Blind Willie Johnson and so many others. This is kind of one of those, but it sort of mixes a blues song with a spiritual, with a work song. It's called Wish I Was in Heaven, Sitting Down. <laughs> Wish I was in heaven sitting down Wish I was in heaven sitting down Oh, angel on my Wish I was in heaven sitting down The way my sin and give me grace The way my sin and give me grace Oh, angel on my Wish I was in heaven sitting down Thank you. 
and give me grace. Weigh my sin and give me grace. Oh, angel on man, we shall in heaven sit in down. We shall in heaven sit in down. We shall in heaven sit in down. Thanks for tuning in to episode 88 of the Brown County Hour, recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville, and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. And be sure to look for us on iTunes and Stitcher. The Brown County Hour is brought to you by a diverse group of folks who believe, now more than ever, the world is for everyone. This show was produced by Chuck Wills, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, Jim Lemon, and Dave Seastrom. We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. You have been listening to the Brown County Hour, coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County home.